I pray you glean uh, from my life this morning. I pray more than anything, my prayer is always that God would would show up. That's what we want this morning is that God would be here, that he would speak. I'm just a vessel this morning, a tool. I'll hopefully just be myself. And from that, you'll, you'll receive from God and you'll hear revelation for you this morning. You know, what I always believe is that in church and particularly for us as Equippers Church, we don't have throwaway Sundays where we turn up and tick the box of church, but we come every single week expecting that God is going to move. So although it's the 15th of Jan, I think it is, um, and it's the middle of summer and we're in summer mode, we we can come into church this morning and we can expect that God is going to move, that he's going to speak, that he's going to do something different in our heart. And um, I'm a firm believer that we should have rest and that we should rest well. So I pray that you have over summer. But I also equally pray that you've felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit over summer as well. That as you've entered 2023, there's something burning in your spirit and in your heart and, and that you've, you've leaned into God and the Holy Spirit in, in some form or way. And if not yet, I pray that this morning that God just um, bubbles up something in your heart for this year. And that's for you personally. You know, I... I just really feel that at the moment, God is causing, causing an awakening in his church. And so when I heard that Pastor Sam had picked the theme, I was like, oh man, I'm so here for this. Um, I really do sense, and I've been sensing for a wee while, that God is stirring up his church. And he's caused some things to come to the surface in some senses because he wants to sort some things out and because he's preparing us as the people of God and as the church for what he's about to do. I really do believe God is causing an awakening in the church. And if we're not careful, and I, I can say this quite easily because I'm not your pastor. I'm coming in from a, an outside in, and, you know, some of these things will be a little bit trickier to say back home in my own context. But, you know, I really do believe just in the people of God generally and in the church, God is causing an awakening. In a lot of senses, as the church, we've got a responsibility that we've created environments, I think, at times that have uh, being just there to serve the believers and the people of God and, and to make it comfortable. But I also believe as the people of God, there's a responsibility that we don't stay in a place of being entitled. Like, what is the church going to do for me? Well, how is the church going to serve me in 2023? How is the church going to tidy up this area so that it can make it more comfortable for me and my family? But God, he's really, right throughout history, right throughout time, he's come right throughout the Bible, you see it. There's a theme of revival where the people of God would come to God, they would have true repentance, they would turn from their ways, it would be all out for him. And then idols would creep in and that excitement would wane, and that passion would wane, and then God would come again, and he would stir them up again. And often he would stir them up through difficult times, or through pressure, or things not quite going their way, and it would cause them to come back to him in desperation. And this is where I believe the church is at right now, and we've got to be really careful that we are checking our hearts. You know, uh, Byron and I, obviously, were talking about uh, revival, and this morning in our hotel, we were just sitting there talking before he went off, and... Um, before I went, and we're just saying, oh man, what a challenging, convicting thing to be preaching on, and like, we so believe it, we believe that God wants to revive his church, and he always does, this isn't just a now thing, he always wants to revive his church, but it's like, oh man, it starts with us, like, where's our hearts at, like, are we convicted enough, and are we in a place where we're not just starting a year as pastors, thinking about our plans and our programs, but am I searching and having a deep searching of my own heart, like, where is it that I'm at, what is it that um, is going on in my heart, where are the motivations of my heart that aren't quite right at the outset of this year, and like I say, what a beautiful thing, if we all do that across this room today, not just pastors and leaders, but every single one of us. 
You know, as I was um, thinking about revival, I think it's important to say what revival is before we go further. And I think um, from what I understand, every preacher is going to be sharing from a different, uh, the life of a different person. So I'll uh, mention soon uh, who it is that we're going to talk about today. But just firstly, just to set the scene, what is revival? And I think when I thought about it, my mind instantly went to like revival meetings, like, and I'm all about it, like big open air meetings, big outreaches, seeing many people come to know Christ, and that, I think we all desire that as Christians. Well, I hope you do. I hope you desire to see our city, cities one for Jesus, to see New Zealand one for Jesus. So if someone said to pray for revival, I would instantly start praying for my city, and I'd pray for all those that I know that don't yet know Jesus, and that's a good thing to do. But actually, revival starts, like I say, in the people of God, in the hearts of believers first. And then that's a natural byproduct afterwards, is that there would be these meetings or spaces where people can't help but come to know Jesus because what, what, what has happened in us first is the people of God. So when we think of revival, we usually think of special meetings for the salvation of people who don't yet know God. But a revival actually has more to do with a spiritual awakening of the people of God. And I want you to remember that word, awakening. A revival actually has more to do with the spiritual awakening of the people of God. And the wave of salvations in a revival is not the revival, but is the natural result of a revival. So revival is an extraordinary move of the Holy Spirit in the church, bringing new life and actually excitement. This word came through a lot as I read about revival, that there's actually an excitement in the people of God. And do we carry that? Is there an excitement in us for what God is wanting to do in us and through us? Um, Causing increased power in preaching, moving people to deep conviction of sin, and giving them a greater hunger for the word of God. And many who have, um, in a revival, many who have previously been half-hearted or cold and and backslidden, and actually you see this in... uh, right throughout the Bible, but also in Revelation uh, to the seven churches, the writings there, it's about how they've become lukewarm in in their Christianity. And, you know, actually the the reputation of some of these churches was that they were excited for Jesus. That's what their reputation was. And I think if people looked on at Equippers Church, they'd say that's a church that loves Jesus, that's reaching people for Jesus. And 100% we are. But where's our heart today? Are we there? Because we make up Equipus Church. We make up this church. So it's our heart there. And so um, Paul, he's writing in, um, in Revelation into the, the churches there, and he's saying, like, you've become lukewarm. Stir up your faith again. Who cares about what your reputation is? Like, who is it that you actually are? I see that you've become lukewarm and that you've become cold. And so he stirred them up again. So this is what happens in a revival is that those who have been half-hearted, cold, and backslidden, they're profoundly shaken, And they come to a deep faith again in God. And then and only then to this spiritually enlivened group of people, um, others who have not previously believed are then drawn because they're like, what is going on there? And it's like God then stirs something up and there's this wave of salvation. So large numbers of people, they find salvation, bringing considerable change to the character of an entire community or society. And if you look at revivals throughout history, it's like pubs 
closed in communities. Like they actually got shut down because no one was going to the pub anymore. Like that's an actual like uh, reflection of a revival, but it started with the people of God. It doesn't start with us praying this morning and praying that God would reach our city, that he would close all the pubs, although we can definitely do that and we should always pray. I'm a believer in prayer, but it starts with us this morning. Like where am I at? Where's my heart at? Where's my heart at in terms of my relationship with Jesus Christ and am I deeply in search of him? If we did nothing else in 2023, we had no other series and only preached about revival, like what a year we would have. If every Sunday we came and like, where are you at? Where's your heart at with God? And that's actually what we do. Every Sunday we come, we worship him, we put him back in his rightful place. Thank you, God, that you are good. Thank you, God, that you are worthy of all the praise. Thank you, God, that you deserve my honor. I'm sorry where I've been distracted this week. And we've just done that. We've worshiped God. We've put our focus back on him. And then he's like, okay, so where you at? Oh, okay, God, this is where my heart's at. This is where I've missed it this week. This is what's been going on in my life. And God, I bring that before you again. And I don't just acknowledge it, but I repent of it. And I lay it down and I put it back into your hands. You know, even over summer for me, I love, 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 love to have a good holiday, have some good rest, even though the weather has been, we don't need to talk about it, we all know. I come from Wellington, so it's kind of like, oh, yeah, summer, this is summer. <laughs> but um, I know for you, different. Um, but I've had a good rest. But at the same time, God's actually had to do some deep work in me. And, you know, I've got some really exciting things that I'm heading into this year and, and some big responsibility that I need to seek God for. But actually, I was like, God, I really need you to break my heart. Like, honestly, I don't want to be self-sufficient this year and what it is that you've put before me. So God, break me again. And there were some things that I ended the year on that were probably not great um, mindsets and ways of thinking and things that were happening externally in my world that I was pointing at that were not helpful for me. And even in bringing those things before God and saying, God, like, what are you doing here in these situations and laying those down before him again, Oh man, he, he didn't actually give me any more answers about those external things. But what he did is he opened my heart up. He opened my heart up about where I've got entitled, of what I deserve, what I should have, where I should be by now, what other people should be doing. And God really revealed that to me and he broke me again. And it was like, oh God, I give you my whole life again. Like even if you never did anything else for me, God, even if the church or like whatever I'm involved in, like if nothing else happened, God, you are good. God, you have favored me. I am already coming from a standpoint of favor. I don't need God to do anything else for me. I'm already standing in a place of favor. So God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry when I've made it about other things. And yeah, I'm driven and I want to pursue things for you, God, but God, not before I want to pursue you. And so God, break me again. Help me, God, like break it down, break my heart, break my mindsets, the things that I've got stuck in a way because I've been doing this for a long while. God, break that down in me again because I want to come back to what it's all about. So if nothing else happens this year and this is all that happens, what a year. What a year to have us revived in God. So I want to share with you my mate, uh, my revivalist that I've decided to talk about this morning. Charles Finney, he was involved in the Second Great Awakening in America, in upstate um, New York and Manhattan during the 1830s. So this is about like 200 years ago. And he was um, actually called the father of revival. He's been named that since for the, 
for the second great awakening. Um, he was originally a lawyer, and actually what I learned about a lot of the revivalists is they actually didn't start out as preachers or pastors, but they often had other roles and jobs, and then God captured them in such a way that they couldn't help but then share the gospel. And, you know, just because of, again, what God had done in their own heart. So he was a lawyer, then he became a theologian, and then he became a college president. And he actually taught on revival. So if you look him up, you'll find there's heaps of material on revival and how to bring about a revival. Um, So I'm going to share some of those thoughts with you this morning. But he didn't only lead revivals, but he actively marketed, promoted, and packaged them, which I was like, oh, you're my kind of guy. I like this. Um, (laughs) And he actually got, he copped a little bit for this. People didn't really love it that he was marketing Jesus, but I'm like, I'm all for it. Um, So he was one of the first. Um, And then, so in New York, this um, district, people have referred to since, um, theologians, but also Charles Finney himself, he referred to this as the burned over district. Okay, so burned over district. And so the whole area where Finney was then preaching has been referred to by historians as the burned over district, a reference to the fact that the area had experienced so much religious enthusiasm and excitement from revivals that the the district, sorry, had been scorched. The area had been so heavily evangelized and now had, had no more fuel, which was unconverted population, left over to convert. So they called it the burned over district. Like there was no point in going and starting like, you know, outreaches there because this was burned over. Like everyone had turned to Jesus Christ. Like, can you imagine us at the end of 2023 putting up a map of New Zealand and the burned over districts of where Jesus Christ had turned up and people had found salvation. It doesn't only start with us praying. We have to have prayers, and I'll talk about that soon, but it starts in our hearts first. It starts in us being revived as the church, as the people of God. It's what happened all throughout history as God came and he saw his church and the sleepy state they were in, and he's like, wake up. Wake up, people of God. Wake up because I'm about to do something new, and I want you on board, and I want you a part of it. So the Burned Over District. Um, He's also, Charles Finney, he's credited with being the first preacher to employ the method of altar calls to encourage people to make a decision for Christ. So he was the first one that was like, in our meetings, we need people to respond, to either come forward or to put out their hand. Like, I did not know this. Anyway, he ran about 417 crusades in his ministry time. Um, he made open-air revivals a thing, where they would um, out, have meetings out in the open. Um, social justice was really important to him. And he preached against slavery, and he cared deeply about African-American civil rights, and he had a lot of work that he was involved in there. And one of the pastors in New York who was ministering at the time when all these um, revival meetings were taking place uh, with Charles Finney, he says this, the whole community was stirred. Religion was the topic of conversation in the house, in the shop, in the office, and on the street. Grog shops were closed and the Sabbath was honored. And it's like a whole community shifter. But you can imagine if you've got that many believers, hopefully this community in this city would be different because of it. And like this about this guy as well. One of his innovations included having women pray out loud in public meetings. Before this point, that wasn't allowed. And so Charles was like, no, I believe in the ministry of women and the fact that they pray. And so he would have them in a, in a mixed sexes meeting, have women come forward and pray. And I'm like, I like you. Um, and also on top of that, he, 
He knew um, when he went into a new community to reach them for Jesus, he knew he needed to get women's groups on board with him because they were going to help him um, through their social networks get the word out. I'm like, I like this guy. He knew where it was at. Well, there's some woman agreeing with me. That was just for the ladies in the room, okay? Um, but this was Charles Spitty. That's just some of the things that he was involved in. But I'm going to um, reference him a little bit as we go forward, and I'll quote him a few times. But as I've been reading about revivals and just learning and like, God, where is it that I need to go? And I started to look at the life of Charles Finney. I just thought, okay, I want to pull five points, and we'll see how far we get. Uh, but five points from the life of Charles Finney, and just the things that he preached and that he was passionate about, the things that will precede a revival or will bring about a revival. Okay, so we'll see how far we go. I'm sorry if we only get to point three. I'm a words girl, so we'll blame it on that. So we'll see how we go time-wise. But number one was not just from... Charles Finney in his life, but actually any revival I looked at, is number one was deep searchings of the heart. Now I've spoken about this and I referred to it already a little bit, but there was always an awakening of the people of God, the people becoming aware of their need of God. And if there was nothing else that I was praying for, and just one thing that I had to pick this morning, it really is an awakening of my heart and an awakening of your heart this morning, that you would deeply search your heart and to see where is it that my heart is at God in terms of actually even caring about my city, in terms of caring about the things that break your heart, God. Where's my heart at? Is, am I numb to this? Have I sat in spaces like this and heard words like this for a long time that it's going in and oh, there's some cute thoughts there, but God, it's not moving me. And if it's not, then we've got to search a little deeper. God, why is it not? Like, why is it not like actually hitting home for me that I actually don't even really long and desire for revival? in my city, let alone in my own heart. So God's requiring us this morning to have an awakening. And this is a realization and acknowledgement of where we're really at. And I'm a big advocate for this in our Christian walk so that we don't become religious and going through the motions is every single day knowing where it is that we're at. Where, where is it that my heart is at? If we're ministering and serving, where is it that my heart's at in this? Have I got the right motivation? If not, the answer isn't to jump out. The answer is to be like, hey, God, help my heart. Help me get the right motivations in this area, God, because there's something deeper going on here. Because if I jump out, I'm still going to have to, six months down the line, face up to that thing again. God will bring it up and out in some way. And I'm not to say that there's not times that, you know, we have to make adjustments in our world. But what I'm saying this morning is we've got to, we do have to check our heart. And it's very easy to look and point at all the external things. But are we addressing our heart? Are we looking internally at where we're at? I, um, I remember a few years ago reading this book, and it's called Embracing Brokenness. And I've forgotten the author, but I'm sure if you Googled it, you'd find it. But I actually think it's a great book for any Christian to read. And it's about, you know, in the, in the society that we live in, it's, um, and even in church, our church culture is that we champion strength, and we champion gifts, and we champion, um, yeah, coming from a place of strength. But... God actually, when he roams the earth, he's searching for the hearts that are completely his so that he can strengthen them. So he's actually looking for those who are weak, who are broken, who are in need of him. And I remember reading this book and being like, oh my gosh, yes, we need to embrace our brokenness more. Not celebrate it and give the enemy like glory, but we actually have to know where, where we're, we're missing, where we've got gaps, like where we're in need of God. And you know, for some of us who have been Christians for a while, um, when we think about sin, we're thinking about the big things, the big drastic things that we shouldn't do. And we're like, we're not doing those, so we're all good. 
But what about those secret motivations of the heart? What about the things that no one else sees, the, the way you approach people, the way you approach situations, your serving, how you are from Monday to Saturday with God and your relationship with him, are you distant from him or are you near to him? You know, all of these things, that's actually sin. Sin is us distanced from God. So whatever is causing a distance between us and him and us being free with him, that is sin. And so oftentimes we're pointing to the big things. Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not cheating on my wife or whatever. And we're good. We're godly. But, you know, God really wants us to search our heart today. And to like, where is my heart at? The beginning of 2023. What a beautiful question to ask. Where am I at, God? And help me in these areas. Help me when you, he reveals these things to us. So there's beauty and brokenness. We love celebrating um, strength, and we're looking to where we can strengthen areas of our life and the things that we're responsible for this year, which is good. We do want to be a strong church. We want to be strong people. We want to have strong families. So these are good things, but if we're only doing that and we're not acknowledging our weakness and our brokenness and our need of God and our dependence on him, then we are missing something massively. And I think actually God roams and he looks and I don't know that it's pleasing to him when he finds us self-sufficient or able to do it in our own strength. 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9, this is NIV, it says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So like I say, to strengthen. He's not looking for the strong ones to be like, okay, I'm going to strengthen them. But I believe he's looking for those of us who are weak and fully dependent on him. Psalm 51 verse 17, this is New King James, it says this, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. This is the sacrifices of God. This is what he's looking for from our hearts this morning. A broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. You know, contrite, it means to be crushed and to be bruised. God actually doesn't mind us in that space. He doesn't mind us in a place of fully dependent on him and like, man, 2022 was hard, God. I don't want another year like that. And it's not just external things you need changed, but God, I need you actually to, like, this is a hard prayer to pray, trust me. This is what Byron and I were talking about this morning. God, I need you to break me. Oh God, that's a scary prayer to pray, but God, I need you to break me because I don't wanna do this in my own strength this year. So God, come, shift something in me first because then it's gonna overflow from there. I wonder what God thinks as he roams his church right, right now. What kind of hearts is he finding? You know, Charles Finney, he says this, almost all the religion in the world has been produced by revivals. God has found it necessary to produce powerful excitements among mankind. Men are so sluggish. You know what I love, actually, when I was reading the revivalists? I'm like, that's straight. And they're to the point. Like, 200 years ago, you could be quite bold as a preacher. I'm like, we've become quite soft. This is one thing I realized, okay? As Christians, we've become quite soft. Anyway, men are so sluggish. There are so many things to lead their minds off from religion and to oppose the influence of the gospel that it is necessary to raise an excitement among them till the tide rises so high as to sweep away the opposing obstacles. And he goes on to say this. Look back at the history of the Jews, and you'll see that God used, used to maintain religion among them special occasions when there would be a great excitement and people would turn to the Lord. And after they'd been revived, it would be but a short time, because come on. Oh my gosh, our memories. But, but after a short time, 
There would be so many counteracting influences that religion would decline and keep on declining till God could shape the course of events so as to produce another excitement and then pour out his spirit again to convert sinners. Then the counteracting causes would again operate and religion would decline and the nation would be swept away in the vortex of luxury, idolatry, and pride. And then again, God would come and he would revive his people. So don't feel condemned this morning. This is just right throughout history. This has been right throughout the Bible this is being the people of God, is that coming into their own strength and their own way of doing things and then having pride or idols and God stripping it back again and saying, come back to me. And I feel like this is what God is doing in the church right now. And he has stirred some things up, even in our nation. And he's brought some things to the surface. But the answer is not us to go, oh, bad people, oh, sinful ways. It's to look inward and go, oh, God, where's my heart at? At the beginning of 2023, where am I at? Not where's the church at, but where's my heart at? And where, if we address that, then what God could do amongst us. What a beautiful heart and a beautiful posture to have as a Quippers Church in 2023 that we're like, oh my gosh, God, we're in so much need of you. God, come. We want more of you. We don't want to do it in our own strength. Imagine what God would do. He says this, Charles Finney, revival starts when we are burdened by the apparent deadness of much of our own teaching, preaching, and worship. We must be concerned about our present ineffectiveness in calling the lost to salvation. We must be disturbed by our apathy and our worldliness. And we must remove any tendency amongst us to legalism, divisiveness, and theological nitpicking. God must first burden our hearts with these things so that we will pray with great earnestness and urgency. How can we pray for our city and be broken for them and have compassion for them until God has broken our hearts, until we've realized our need of him? Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And we're going to land at this point at the end of the service soon. God, search me. Like, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. Not just see if there's any big sin in me. See if there's any grievous way in me, God, that's grieving your heart. That you look upon my life and you are grieved like, oh man, I don't want that. I want God to look upon my life and be pleased because I'm burdened by the things that he's burdened by. And lead me in the way everlasting. So revival always starts with a deep searching of the heart of the people of God. Okay, number two. I told you we're not going to go the whole way, but that's okay. Don't freak out. Okay, you're like, she said she had five points. That was my main one, so it's all we get. I'm okay with that. Now, this is actually really important, but number two is repentance. Uh, Charles Finney, his, his big thing when he was preaching was not just that we would have conviction of sin, but that we'd have repentance. And they're actually two different things. Sometimes we can stand in a service like this, or we can have time with God at home, and we feel like the conviction, ugh, and then we leave it at that. Or we might pray a real general prayer <laughs> over our life, and then we leave it there. But God actually wants repentance. When we are self-aware and we're awakened, so this is where I'm really at, it then calls for repentance. So it calls for us coming to God and actually um, turning from our ways and actually taking deliberate action to do something different. And so this is what I want to encourage you with this morning is around repentance. So revival always includes conviction of sin and then repentance. And Charles Finney, he said, a real Christian who has truly repented is different. Every time you bring the truth to him, he becomes more easily affected, excited, and broken under God's blessed word. 
So you know, he says a real Christian, a Christian, a, a person who believes in Jesus Christ, that every time they hear the word of God, whether they're sitting at home in their own time or they're sitting in a service like this and they hear the word of God, it would excite their spirit, it would convict them, it would turn them to repentance. Like, is that, us? is that us? Are we that hungry? Are we that searching, like, searching so deeply for God that, that we're in that um, posture every time we hear the word of God? You know, there's one simple but all-inclusive guide that the Bible gives us to regulate our walk with Jesus. And so, like, sometimes it can be hard to know when sin has come in. But this is from Colossians 3.15, and it says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And so everything that disturbs the peace of God in our hearts is sin. No matter how small it is and no matter how unlike sin it may appear, it might even be a good thing. But this peace is to rule our hearts or a more literal translation means to be the referee in our hearts. Like when a referee blows the whistle in a game or a football match or whatever, the game has to stop, a foul has been committed, and when we lose our peace, God's referee in our hearts is like blowing the whistle. We're like, come on, wake up. <laughs> like, what are you, what's going on here? But many of us have neglected the referee's whistle so often and for so long that we have stopped hearing it. Days turn into weeks, and then it becomes a long time since we have felt broken by our sin and felt the distance from God. And God today, I feel like this is the moment of him like blowing the whistle. And like, I feel like he's blowing it quite loud today. I'm sorry if it's coming across a bit full on, but... Like, what else are we here for? We're here for God to revive our hearts. We're not here to do church. We're here because we want more of Jesus. Oh, we want our 2023 to look different. We want to be a church that is coming from a standpoint of being revived by him first and foremost, and everything else is a byproduct of that. Yeah? And there's things we've got to do this year, 100%, but we've got to start here. Charles Finney says, you must examine yourselves because self-examination consists in looking at your lives and considering your actions and recalling the past and learning its true character. This is what he says. This is quite confronting, okay? So deep breath. You ready for it? He says, look back over your past history. Take up your individual sins one by one and look at them. I do not mean that you should just glance at your past life and see that it has been full of sins and then go to God and make a sort of general confession and ask for pardon. That is not the way. This is what he says. He says, you must take them up one by one. And it will be a good thing to take a pen and paper as you go over them and write them down as they occur to you. Go over them as carefully as a merchant goes over his accounting books. And as often as a sin comes before your memory, add it to the list. General confessions of sin will never do. Your sins were committed one by one. So as far as you can remember them, they should be reviewed and repented of one by one. You know, in my, in my 20s, I had this crazy moment and I remember talking about it in church once and I had this moment where I actually printed off Google a list of sins. And this is going to sound full on, okay? So just bear with me. But I listed it off and I just, in my own quiet time, I just went through and I just circled or ticked or something. Like, yeah, God, that's in my heart. Yeah, that's in my heart. Yeah, that's in my heart. And then I just went through one by one and I just repented and I just brought it before God. Do you know that I've actually... Like that's so lodged in my memory and it's so weird and random and I know it's different, but it's so lodged in my memory for the fact that the freedom I experienced off the back of that was huge. And I had, I've grown up in church, I'm a pastor's kid, been immersed in church my whole life. And in my mid-twenties, I just remember having this moment before God 
And honestly, I haven't done it again and I should and here I am preaching this. But I love that Charles Finney, he said this and he's like, you should go through one by one. You committed these sins one by one, go through one by one. And I think as the church and as people of God, we often do speak quite general prayers in terms of our repentance. We might pray specifically in terms of other things that we want and need or people that we're believing for. But when it comes to repentance, this is a prayer. This is actually a prayer. Are we being specific with that prayer? Are we saying, God, this is what I noticed in my heart today and it was yuck. And God, I know it grieves you and it grieves your spirit. So God, I bring this before you right now. Will you help me in this area? And it's not that we want to live hyper aware of our sin, but we do want to live hyper aware of our need of God and our sin and our acknowledgement of where we're at and our repentance and turning away from that is an acknowledgement of our need of God. This is the church God's after. This is what summer revival looks like. It's a like breaking it down and a coming before God in our quiet time. And God, this is where I'm actually at in every single area of my life. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry this has grieved you. And then repenting. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, this is a daily practice. When was the last time you had a moment of repentance? One like I've explained or something similar where you've been, you've repented of your sins and repented of the things that have kept you at a distance from God. That is, the things that have caused peace not to rule in your heart. That is sin there. If, if there's something that is robbing you of peace, there's something there that's separating you from God and, and the best that He has for you. Go there and like dive into that and go, what is this? Help me, show me, help me be more aware. And this is where I want to land number three. Is this all of this? So we deep searching of our heart leads us to repentance and then as a result it leads us to this desperate place so number three is desperation in the church today I'm not sure we come often enough to the point of desperation we still have our plans and our programs but we've not reached desperation but prayers of repentance and then desperation are the sort of prayers that precede revival 2 Chronicles 15 verse 4 says But when they were in their trouble and distress, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and in desperation earnestly sought him and he let them find him. You know, where it's like, okay, God, this is where I'm at. Okay, I need to repent. God, I I bring it all before you, repent of my sins. And then, oh man, the desperation that comes in for more of him because of what we've just experienced. It's a beautiful thing. And they're not only in our hearts, but it leads us to a desperation for our city and those in our neighborhoods and those in our family to then experience the same revival that we've just experienced. This is why this is not a one-time thing and the point of salvation. This is an everyday waking up and having our hearts revived in Jesus Christ so that we can go with passion. Let's not do the things this year. Let's not do church this year without first a revival of our own hearts because everything else will flow from there. Charles Finney, he says, when people enter, or enter into a revival, this will lead them to labor zealously to bring others to him. They will feel grieved that others do not love God when they love him so much. And they will set themselves to persuade their neighbors to give him their hearts. So their love to men will be renewed. They will be filled with a tender and burning love for souls. They will have a longing desire for the salvation of the whole world. They'll be in agony for individuals whom they want to have saved, their friends, relations, even enemies. They will not only be urging them to give their hearts to God, but they will carry them to God in the arms of faith and with strong crying and tears, beseech God to have mercy on them. 
that's the brokenness, the brokenness of my own heart and that moment of actual tears and like full like, oh God, like this is where I'm actually at. And then a brokenness and a, a tears and a beseeching of God because this is where our world is at and this is where the community is at and they need Jesus. Like I've just found Him, they need Him in the same way and it leads us towards that. And this is the desperation that I'm encouraging you with this morning. Firstly, find it yourself but then lead other people and be desperate to lead other people into the salvation that you have found. Summer Revolution this week. It's not just a a camp where they're gonna have good times and they're gonna have God encounters, but we want them to have God encounters where they're revived, where they go out and they're seeing their schools and their friends and others come to know Jesus Christ because their heart first and foremost has been revived. If you're a parent in the room and you have a child, Encourage them, even if they're saying, I don't want to go. Have deeper conversations. Trust me, it's so important that they're in those spaces with other people their age that are worshiping God, having moments of encounter with Him that's going to stir their heart, that they're going to come back home, they're going to be changed, but they're also going to reach others for Him. And I can't stress that enough. We want our kids program out there for, and I know Pastor Helen leading our kids' ministry, there'll be kids encountering Jesus Christ daily in, um, in our services on a Sunday. They're going to be encountering Jesus and being revived in their hearts. That's what we want. That's what we want as a church is for this kind of desperate desperation after Him. As I finish, I, you, can, you can just guess what number four and five are. No, I'll tell you, I will tell you briefly, but I was over summer for our own church back home. I'm like, God, give, us, give me a word for, for the season. And I just really felt the phrase, and it's from a scripture, but just to seek the peace and prosperity of your city to go after and seek the peace and prosperity of your city. And it's really helping to direct my prayers. And I want to share it with you. And maybe it'll help you in whatever you're involved in, business, church, ministry, a teacher, leading your family, whatever it may be. But to seek the peace and the prosperity of where it is that God's placed you. And this phrase and this verse comes from Jeremiah 29 verse 7. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And I, as I've been just contemplating on this, man, the, and I have to hold it together in this moment, but just the compassion for my city that God just put on my heart. You know, even over summer, we um, just prior to Christmas, we started a food bank in our church back home and just the amount of food that came in, but also the amount of food that went out, but the amount of need that there is in our city that's just like the church email being bombarded over summer just with need. People needing like just practical help. Like it's burdened me. Like our city is not prospering in every way. And so am like, do I care about that? Like when we hear the needs in Auckland, like when you hear of the crime and the and the difficult things that are going on, like does it break your heart not to be like, who's going to fix that and all oh, the government and whatever? Does it break your heart as a, as a believer and be like, man, God, burden my heart. Lord, help me to, to, to come towards you with desperation and in prayer for my city. And I want to encourage you this year, let 2023 be marked by a year of compassion, a deep compassion for where it is that you're involved, your, your business, where, if you're a teacher, whoever you're involved with, whoever you're interacting with in a week, let God like give you a compassion for them. Don't say bad people, like, oh, like, you know, and I know you don't say that, but sometimes we carry that in our heart. Like, oh, the city, oh, this world and what it's coming to. Like, let's stop saying that stuff. Let's, let it move us and be like, oh, man, God, like you, this breaks your heart. Help, help it to grieve my heart. And I've been just spending this time with God and just, God, I want the peace and prosperity of my city. That looks like thinking of their well-being, their peace, their shalom, and to be concerned for it and not regarding it as unchangeable, 
but knowing that God can change it, that we could be a part of it as a church, that we could be a solution to that problem. But first and foremost, it's got to be in us. But it calls to a commitment of seeking shalom, life in all its fullness and well-being for our cities and our neighbourhoods. You know that verse that says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. As I, as I put that down and I was praying about it this morning, I just thought about this moment. I thought some actually in the room, you're feeling like you're in exile, like you've been sent to a place and you, it doesn't fully feel like home. I don't know where that is. Maybe there's a, an unsettling in, in an aspect of your life right now and there's a place where you feel like, oh, this is, I don't know what's going on here. Maybe it's in your... Um, yeah, a place that doesn't feel like home or a company that doesn't reflect godly values and you're really contemplating and grappling with some things right now or a neighborhood that is a hotbed for crime or maybe it's in your own family. You're not really feeling like you've found your place there. I just feel like God, this is a word for you today to seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which God has sent you into exile. The place where you've come and you feel like a little bit of a foreigner remember that, and I believe that there's a geographical aspect to the call of God on our lives. So where you are right now, you are in Auckland City. God has you here for a reason. Who knows what He might do next week or next month, but today, all you know, this is where God has called you to. So for where you are right now, where your home, your workplace, wherever it is that you set your foot this week, God has placed you there. You are there on purpose, and you are to seek the peace and prosperity of that place. You are to ask God for a compassion for that place. You are to send that into prayer, and you are to wake up every single morning and Revive your own heart and then go to Him in terms of compassion for what it is that you're involved in. Man, what a beautiful 2023 we'll have. Amen? If we have deep searchings of our heart, repentance, and then desperation for God and for our cities to be one for Him. I can't go into them, but number four was travailing prayer. Fully believe it is a part of just agonizing prayer. That's what has caused revival to come about. And then the last one was unity in the church. As we have a deep searching of our heart, acknowledge where we are, we repent of our ways, we go after God desperately, and then we travail in prayer, agonize in prayer for what it is that God wants to do. It brings about a beautiful unity in the church. You know, Charles Finney said one of the biggest obstacles to revival is disunity in the church and divisiveness. But if we start there and address that, we'll get so far. Firstly, we've got to start with our hearts. Where are we at? And then as a result, we've got unity because we're all revived. We're all excited about what it is that we get to do for God. And so what a thing to unite us around and to bring us around at the beginning of 2023.